This episode marks one full year of my podcast. So I'm going to celebrate a bit and I'll muse about this past year. I'll also talk about challenges and motivation along the way. So here we go. Episode 52, one year. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. I am celebrating episode 52, and that means this is week 52, which means it's been a year. It's official. <laughs> now, those of you watching this episode on YouTube can see what's going on here, but for those of you listening, I just want to let you know I am wearing a feather boa and a purple headband with little pom-pom things. I mean, that's not all that I'm wearing, <laughs> but I am wearing it. And uh, it's all part of the celebration. I am, I'm not drinking any champagne, but uh, I do have some ice cream waiting for myself in the freezer. <laughs> waiting for myself. <laughs> I have ice cream waiting for me. I am not the ice cream, although sometimes it feels that way. Uh, now, you might be thinking... Uh, wow, Karen, you went out to the party store and got like a feather boa and some purple pom-pom headbands, you know, just for this. And well, actually, no, because I have these already. And you might be surprised at just how often I find reasons to wear them. <laughs> so this podcast, Horse Training in Harmony, the podcast you're listening to, um, within a year, we went from zero to officially in the top 1% out of 2,594,189 podcasts globally. So actually it was at 1.5 and then I looked it up again right before doing this episode and we moved up to 1%. And that's out of all podcasts. So I'm super, super happy about that. <laughs> And I've gotten so much great feedback from listeners. So I just wanted to thank you for listening. Without you, I'm just some weird horse lady talking into a shiny box, sometimes wearing ridiculous things. <laughs> and I am celebrating. So did you know that when you celebrate success, your brain actually gives you a hit of dopamine? and dopamine feels really good. So what that means is that as I'm celebrating having a year done of this podcast, I'm actually actively hardwiring my brain to want more of whatever it is I'm celebrating. So chances are there will be at least another year of this podcast. So we can all celebrate. <laughs> Oh, and what a year it's been. There have been challenges, 
hopefully there's somebody listening to this episode 10 years in the future and they're going to be like, wait, what do you mean challenges? So <laughs> for a few people listening in the future, we just, uh, we're still in a bit of a pandemic issue here. So this is the COVID, COVID-19 aftermath. So they're still in the middle of this, right? What a crazy, crazy year. So many challenges, so much isolation. But, you know, at the same time, how wonderful it is that there are so many different ways to reach out for help and to connect. And so this podcast, I think, is one of those ways. It's it's sort of sprung out of the challenge. You know, sometimes it's easier to get help and, and sometimes it's harder to get help. But harder isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes when we have to work a little harder for something, we actually actually learn it better. We learn it on a deeper level. Our brain engages more and we remember it for longer. Here's a fun fact. <laughs> there is actual research that if something is that, that showed that if something is too easily read, it's less memorable. So apparently there is some sort of desired, I'm putting this in quotes, desired level of difficulty is how they explained it. Then it's remembered more. So if there's a desired level of difficulty, not impossible, but not too easy, then it's remembered more. And so based out of this research, this was done by RMIT University in Australia, they actually created, this is so funny, they created a font and they called the font Sans Forgetica. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious, you know, because Sans, there's like Sans Serifs, right? So with or without these little serifs, so Sans is kind of like without, Sans Forgetica, <laughs> without forgetting. So they created a font that was had, I guess, the desired level of difficulty to read. And they did research and found that um, when people read using this font, whatever they read was remembered more because it was just difficult enough that their brain had to kick in on a higher level. So <laughs> if you felt like maybe this past year was a bit of a challenge or maybe forget the year, you know, you just challenges come up, right? So if you've had challenges, and maybe it's been a little harder to get the same kind of support that you usually get. So maybe this past year, you know, you couldn't do the cl clinics or your instructor couldn't come out or something like that. You had to work a little harder. Maybe, maybe that was a good thing. And I think, I think that dynamic is, uh, is one of the reasons uh, why, you know, the online courses that I have in my virtual arena and the video classroom that I have end up working so well for people. It's not because they're not because they're hard to understand. <laughs> I actually on purpose try to make them easy to understand. Uh, but it's that extra step of difficulty, that extra step of needing to be engaged or industrious, you know, to study your horses and your riding in that in that way. I mean, it's so different than someone just showing up once a week uh, to tell you what to do, right? So, which is, 
you know, we all need that too sometimes. Some instructor comes in, you're riding around, and they tell you what to do for an hour, and you learn, and then you go away. But there's a different kind of uh, challenge to going, hey, I'm going to block out some time on Tuesday to find a video that addresses you know, balance canner transitions, and I'm going to search in the box until I find those vi list of videos that come up, and then I'm going to look through the titles, and then I'm going to pick the one that I think needs, and then I'm going to watch it, and then I'm going to think about it and ask Karen a question about it. You know, that's, I think that's a desired level of difficulty. And a lot of people had to do that this past year uh, during lockdown and stuff like that. And sometimes people weren't even able to go practice with their horse but they had to, st to step back and do that kind of learning to kind of pick themselves up and go, okay, I can't ride my horse, but what else can I do? And so I think that's something to celebrate. I think that that kind of challenge does present a desired level of difficulty. And if you look at it that way and you celebrate it, like, well, I can't ride, but woohoo, yay, internet. <laughs> then you're going to have a desired level of difficulty you're going to engage your brain deeper, and then you're going to get a hit of dopamine for doing it. And then we get into the cycle. And now even when you're with your horse, you know, now you just have double the amount of support. <sighs> so, you know, there were challenges for me. Um, some clinics were canceled. I was supposed to do two expos, and they were canceled. Uh, I am happy to report that so far... You know, it, it's, it seems a go. I'm, I'm due to be presenting live at both uh, the Equine Affair in Massachusetts and Equitana in Kentucky this fall. So I'm super excited about that and anybody in those areas. I hope I can see you there. It's been a bit of a challenging year for me around here with horse health challenges, too. Uh, those always kind of knock me back emotionally. Um, you know, like you, I'm sure, um, I, I just want to do right by my horses and it makes me so sad when they're injured or unwell. And then of course I add on top of that, the little bit of like, ah, what, what could I have done differently? How could I have prevented that? What did I do wrong? <laughs> Those little voices. <sighs> but sometimes, you know, the answer to those questions about what could I have done differently Sometimes the answer is nothing, you know, stuff happens, but even if it's just stuff happening and, and I actually don't believe anything means anything. There's no meaning behind it. I mean, that's just me personally. If you believe that there's meaning in everything, go for it. I personally don't. I think stuff happens. I don't think anybody's looking at me and planning stuff. <laughs> I think I'm very small. And the universe has lots of other things to think about by it just being. But stuff happens. And then I do have a choice to learn something from it. So that's that's the thing. Whatever happens, no matter how disappointing, no matter how not related to my plans, it was, I think, all right, what is there to learn? So I'm learning a new level of... Um, helping a horse recover from colic surgery. I'd never had to learn that before. So I had, I got to learn that this year and I got to learn about tendon injuries. I haven't had to learn about that yet, believe it or not. And I learned 
how those two things might have been related. Um, so this is a little interesting thing that happened. And I know a lot of you are going to hear this. I, I may have talked about this um, on my podcast about atomic and the colic surgery. Um, you know, some of you are going to hear this and be like, yeah, Karen, duh. But it was, kind of, I knew it, but I kind of never experienced it. So atomic had um, a lipoma and it was interfering with the small intestine. So when he really colicked, it it had wrapped around his small intestines and we did get him in in time. He had surgery. He survived. It wasn't easy, but he survived and he's back and he's better than ever. It's a happy story. Uh, but what was interesting is before the colic surgery, he had a tendon injury and then he had the colic. They found the lipoma, took out eight feet of his small intestine and then recovering got sound, was doing great. And then he blew out the other tendon. I mean, just out in the pasture, in the same pasture with the same horses he's been with for a long time. Bad, like a, you know, 40% rupture. And I'm happy to report, it's a happy story. He's recovered. He's going sound. He's great. But how interesting that the small intestine meridian runs kind of down the both of bo uh, the back of both front legs, right where his tendons are. So, I mean, the horse is 18. I've had him since he was three. Not one injury the whole time. So as that lipoma, which was like about eight, eight inches diameter, was interfering with his small intestine, his small intestine energy was compromised. So tendon injuries. I mean, that thing took a while to grow. It was in there for a while. It's probably the first tendon injury and then <laughs> the second one. So very, very interesting. So I kind of knew that. I know about meridians, things like that, but I don't, you know, really know, know about it. But that was pretty fascinating. So anyway, the good news with Atomic is he, I've been doing physical therapy. His tendon, it looks great. Both of them look great. And he is sound. And I'm just so so happy he's here. So that's another thing to celebrate. I just, I love that horse so much. I love all my horses. I'm so happy he's here. All right. So, um, so with, with all, with my belief that there's always something to learn that that's what keeps me going. I mean, that's, that's what gets me going down the road because otherwise it, it can just you know, be, life can be full of disappointments. So I'm often asked how I stay so motivated. You know, even my husband, Dana, you know, I was like, it's been a year from the podcast. He's like, oh my God, like, I can't believe, you know, he's like, I can't believe you're still doing it. I guess he was a little skeptical. Um, I guess he's not a big talker. So he's probably thinking like, what the heck is she going to talk about <laughs> every week? But this is how I stay motivated because I know there's always something to learn. The tricky part is that the thing you learn is not always the thing maybe that you wanted to learn. So my motivation, you know, to, for anything is, is so wrapped up in managing my goals, my expectations, and also my, my emotions, you know, so to not just think, I want to learn this and then oh, this other thing got in the way. It's like, oh, I want to learn and I'm going to learn whatever is put in front of me. So as a roadblock comes up, 
I've got to just learn to navigate around it and keep going. You don't want to just stare at the roadblock and pout. Okay. Well, maybe sometimes I do. But for like 90 seconds, tops. 90 seconds. And why 90 seconds? Well, this is a really interesting fun fact. Um, There's a neuroscientist named Jill Bolt-Taylor. Some of you may know her from a TED Talk she has called um, My Stroke of Insight. I highly recommend it. So she's a neuroscientist and she had a stroke and she was aware she was having a stroke and aware from a neuroscientist's point of view. And she describes it and you just have to see the talk. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. So if you go to my website for this episode and scroll down, you'll see the show notes. I'll put a link in there. But in her in her memoir called My Stroke of Insight, she notes that the physiological lifespan of an emotion in the body and brain is actually 90 seconds. That's that's the bell curve of the emotion. So um, the sensations, the adrenaline, the heat in the face, the tightness in the throat, the rapid heartbeat, they all arise, peak, and dissipate on their own. And 90 seconds is the arc. So 90 seconds is how long an emotion lasts. But what keeps them lasting longer than that, because as anyone, raise your hand, (laughs) I'm going to raise my hand, raise your hand if you've ever felt an emotion for more than 90 seconds. I mean, I think we all have, right? We humans. So what keeps those emotions in there are the stories that we tell about what's going on. And that's why it's so important to feel stuff, really feel stuff. You've heard me talk about this before. It's what, it's the natural part of natural horsemanship. Feel stuff. Let it, let it do its thing for 90 seconds. (laughs) Then move on, navigate around it or through it or over it, adapt, keep going. And that, so that's a big part of motivation. How do I stay motivated is to not let the roadblocks block me, right? Challenge, ah, feel it. (laughs) I'm frustrated. Ah, I'm disappointed. Whatever it is, feel it. 90 seconds, adapt and move on. So that's a big part of how I stay motivated to do anything. And I do a lot. (laughs) And the other reason that I can stay motivated is because I really look at why I do things. Why am I doing it? You know, and really why? So that asking yourself, you know, why do I do this? It it often takes a few layers. You know, why do I do dressage? Why do I like horses? No, really why? No, really why? Well, why do you like doing that? And then you answer that and you go, well, why do I like doing that? And you'll usually get to a, a core why. And I think if we, if we really know our core why, then again, all the little bumps in the road don't become roadblocks. The little bump doesn't become the speed bump, doesn't become the wall. (laughs) Because we have this why, and this why is usually more resilient. It's like, why am I driving? Well, I want to get to the store. 
and then the roads closed you can't get to the store it's like but if you know you know why am i driving i'm driving because i love driving and you know i love being independent going somewhere and then i i want food and i'm going to cook for myself it's like okay well that road to that store is closed but i can i can meet my why by going over there so you want to get to that core ask yourself why 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 am i doing something and that allows you to adapt so you a lot of you experience this right in this past year we all had this big speed bump <laughs> come in front of us of COVID and lockdown and, you know, things changed. You couldn't get to your horses or you couldn't do clinics, but you adapted. And hopefully you found a way to satisfy yourself. You found a podcast to listen to <laughs> or take an online course. And so again, I'm, I'm thanking you for that adaptability because I know many of you found this podcast, maybe because you had to adapt from something else. So I really appreciate you finding me. So when horses have injuries or health issues, yeah, I do. I pout a little bit. Maybe more than 90 seconds. <laughs> or maybe 90 seconds, but repeatedly. <laughs> but I try to make sure that I feel it and then you get back to the task at hand. What do you have to learn? How do you make them better? And you know, as a as a professional, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easier. I mean, as a professional, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. I mean, why are my horses having trouble? <laughs> I mean, that's a normal thought. Like, oh gosh, my horse can't be injured. I teach healthy biomechanics. What are people going to think? My horses have to be perfect. Well, how arrogant a, a thought is that? <laughs> So in, in, you know, when I realize I have a thought like that, oh my God, my horses are supposed to be perfect. Like, really? Really, Miss Karen? <laughs> You're so perfect. Your horses have to be perfect. No, I'm just a horse chick like everybody else doing my best. But I have to talk myself through that because that's a little speed. That's a little pebble in the road that could turn into a speed bump that could turn into a wall. I should be further along with this training, you know? I can tell myself that. I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe some imaginary person out there might think something like that, and I'm beating myself up about it. So I think we all do that. But those are the those are the kind of stories that hold emotions from clearing for 90 seconds, right? Instead of going, oh, man, Atomic's tendon is blown up. Well, all right, let's take care of it. You know, that doesn't take too long. But if it's, oh my gosh, Atomic's tendon is blown. What are people going to think of me? Oh my God, I have healthy biomechanics. I'm a fraud. <laughs> I'm supposed to be a professional. Added pressure. We all do this to ourselves in some sort of way. And we just have to stop. Because those are the stories that build, the turn, the turn pebbles into roadblocks. So a lot of what keeps me motivated is identifying those kind of stories the ones that are holding me back and asking myself if that's really a true story and if I really want to keep telling it. And so I check in with myself regularly and I remind myself, what's the why? What do, why do I love horses? And, and what do I love about what I do? 
which is mostly teaching. Horses and teaching. <laughs> That's what I do. All right, and I have to check in with this um, as often as I need to. It's a good checkpoint. I often will tell myself, it's like, yeah, I'm going to stop doing everything. I'm going to quit horses and stop teaching. When do I retire? It's, it's a good question to ask, whatever it is you're doing. Just entertain the idea of not doing it anymore and see what that feels like. And so far, whenever I entertain that idea, the next thought is, no, but I want to keep doing it. So that's a good sign. I go, okay, I will. Just checking. <laughs> but don't be afraid to ask yourself. Don't be afraid to entertain the idea. You know, I'm going to quit my job. You know, I'm going to get a divorce. You know, I'm going to get married. You know what? I'm going to tell that person I love them. You know what? I am going to enter that show. You know what? I'm going to scratch that show. It doesn't matter what it is. Just play the game. Whatever it is you're doing, every now and then check in with yourself and pretend you're going to do the opposite. And by pretending to, to do the opposite, it jars a little bit because we, we probably haven't thought about that. So when we're really good at telling stories, if we ask yourself, you know, if we say to ourselves like, you know, oh, I should probably just keep doing this job, you know, and then your brain will say yes, because, you know, it's, um, it's the smart thing to do and you need the money and the insurance plan is really good. And, you know, your, your brain is very practiced at all the reasons why you should keep doing the thing that you're doing because obviously you're still doing it. So it's been successful in talking you into it. But if you ask yourself the question and, and you actually don't even make it a question, just say, you know what? I'm quitting. I'm quitting tomorrow. And your brain's like, wait, wait, really? <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't thought about, I haven't thought this through, but check in with how it feels. Because if you do that and you feel like, oh yeah, that feels good. Then, you know, now it's time. But if you go, you know what, I'm quitting tomorrow. And then your brain goes, no, you're not. You love your job. Then you can sit yourself down and go, okay, well, then I'm going to stop. I have to stop complaining about it because obviously I want to keep doing it. I hope this makes sense. But this is all tied into the motivation. This is how we keep going at something. And it's not just about keeping going. It's about keeping going and loving that you're keeping going. Because I promise that the minute I don't love doing this podcast, it's done. <laughs> I'm not good at doing things I don't love to do. I'm good at, at accepting a lot of the stuff that goes along with the things that I love to do. You know, I'm, I'm willing to work hard to do the things I love to do. But there's a big difference between doing the stuff that's required to do the thing you love to do and just convincing yourself to keep doing something that you don't. So when I check in with myself about the two things I do the most, horses and teaching, I realize that what I love the most about horses is the being with them. And what I love the most about teaching is the process of sitting down and thinking and creating the way I'm going to explain it. And so by knowing that, no matter how busy I am or how tired I am or how much things may not be going the way I thought they wanted, I wanted them to go, 
as long as I'm giving myself these moments, the moments that I love being with horses and the moments that I love teaching and the creative process around it, then I stay fueled. You know, sometimes people say, well, how do you stay so motivated with horses without competing? You know, this is why. Because I know why I do it. I do horses to be with horses. And I teach because I love the process of creating ways to think about it and explain things. So, yes, I do love dressage. And I love the feeling when a horse, like, kicks into this amazing passage. I mean, there's nothing like it. But at the end of the day, if I had to choose... I would pick being with horses and not being able to do anything with them than to be doing stuff with horses, but not being able to be with them. You know, I couldn't just go and catch a ride on a horse and then come home. I would rather just spend all my time just being and not, not able to ride. Doesn't mean that's right. Might be totally different for you, but I've discovered that in myself and it makes it a lot easier when I'm out at midnight <laughs> helping my sick horse. It could easily be like, oh, you know, I have to go out there and take care of my horse. No, I get to be with him. How lucky am I that I get to be with him? So, yeah, I love helping people with their horses. I love working with a person and seeing the change and seeing the light bulbs go off. But at the end of the day, if I had to choose... I would choose, um, if I had to choose between teaching without the opportunity for creativity or creativity without the opportunity, opportunity to teach, I would actually pick the creativity part. How helpful is that? That's really helpful to know. It's good to know. So maybe asking yourself if you have trouble with motivation or staying, feeling fueled and energized about what you're doing, ask yourself, what do you love the most about the things that you do? Why are you doing them? But get really granular. No, really, like, what is it about it? And then you can play that game. If I had to choose between this or this, which one would I pick? So you could just look at different aspects of it and just play that game. Okay, if I had to pick this or this this or this, this or this, and pair them up differently and see how you answer it. Because you need to know. You know, I could easily spend a lot of time with horses and not be motivated. Or I could spend a lot of time teaching and be burned out. It happens all the time. It happened to me. So I have a, a mastermind and mentorship program for professionals and a big part of what I help them with is to help them remember and get in touch with why they're doing what they're doing and why they started doing it in the first place and what's the really the piece of it that they love the most and to do that because it's so easy to let the stories take us off track. And so that's what that program is for, to help those heart-centered professionals remember why, remember the peace, because I want to help those kind of professionals succeed in the world, because the horse world is a better place when the heart-centered professionals thrive. All right, so 
this podcast kind of got a little bit meandery. Meandery? Is that a word? It is now. It meandered. <laughs> so mostly my point for this episode is to really thank you. Thank you for listening. You know, <laughs> it's so funny the roads we take. Just like this this episode started out with, you know, a feather boa and purple pom-poms. And now I'm talking about the heart of the most inner connection of why you do what you do. It's so funny the roads we take. So who knew that what would start out as incessant begging for a horse as a little kid would turn into me talking to all of you in like, let's see, my at the last count, 113, 113 different countries. I'm so honored. I look at the little map and I see it light up. So those of you in Kenya and Tunisia and Egypt and Russia, all of you guys from wherever, I see you. I see your country light up. And I'm so honored. I can't believe it. But this is what can happen when you love what you do and you do what you love. So I really wish all of you that you know what you love and that you find ways to do it and you get to the real core of it. So that way you can be um, able to enjoy it in ways that you don't maybe expect. Because things show up sometimes differently than we expect. And you want to be able to navigate those roadblocks. You want to be able to embrace the challenges because those challenges, remember that desired level of effort, they make the learning stick. And remember to let your emotions have their full 90 seconds <laughs> and then let them go. I am so excited about next year. I am so excited about tomorrow. And I'm excited about that ice cream waiting for me in the freezer. So with that, I'll finish. And I'm next episode, we marks the beginning of a full new year. Thank you for listening. Bye. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.